While you're standing, grab your Bible if you would, and we're going to read our text from 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. We are going to continue tonight um, in our study of the angelic beings and particularly about the uh, spiritual battle that we have with the forces of darkness. And um, so this to me is one of the most revealing texts. And we'll look at a lot of Bible tonight. I hope you're Hope you have your Bible, keep your Bible open, be ready to turn to some passages. And I just want to encourage, again, uh, the use of our Bible. I know, I know it, something that is uh, really peculiar or um, unique about Baptist churches as a rule, and not just our kind of Baptist churches, but just Baptist people carry their Bible. You, you know, people read their Bible. But I was noticing a place when I was reading uh, in my Bible reading this past week where it talked about um, the scripture and it was a translation of the word biblos. And a biblos is like, it's, a, it's where we get our word, our word for Bible, it's a book. And you know, I know that you can have the Bible, I have the Bible on my uh, my phone. I was driving yesterday and listening to some passages read from my phone while I was driving. I have the Bible on my tablet. I can study with my Bible, but but when I'm doing going to church, I like to have my Bible in my hand. You know what I'm saying? And I think I think it. I, I'm not just trying to be old-fashioned. I think it's better for us to look at the pages of Scripture and look at the words of God and take those seriously. So it's good to have all you with your Bibles opened tonight. Let's read in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 1. Now, I, Paul, myself, beseech you, I'll mention, we'll read that phrase again in a moment, beseech you, beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in presence, speaking of himself, who in presence and base among you, but being absent and bold toward you. More bold when I'm not presently than when I'm with you normally. Verse 2, here he says it again, but I beseech you that I may not be bold when I'm present with that confidence wherewith I think to be bold against some. Now he's going to speak of a particular group of the Corinthians. I think to be bold against some which think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. Verse 3, for though we walk in the flesh, talking about these bodies, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, they're not fleshly, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ, and having a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Let's pray. Father, we ask again for your blessing upon your word, upon our study of the word of God. Help us, Lord, to learn. Help us to be reminded, refreshed about spiritual truth, Lord, we want to be 
uh, we want to experience the victory that's ours in Christ. We want to walk in the peace and the joy and purpose that you have promised. Lord, we don't want to become a casualty in the spiritual battle that rages around us, nor do we want to see that happen to our loved ones. So please bless our time. Help us to take it seriously and learn from you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much. We're going to talk primarily tonight about our thought life. And we see the importance of it in this text and in a number of other places. You know, the brain is really an amazing thing, isn't it? Um, it's it's, a, it's a, an organ, you know, like your, um, like churches used to have an organ in them. It's an, the, the brain is an organ, and it's amazing how it works. I mean, just standing here, uh, when, I, when I'm looking to this side, then I, I'm going to look toward this side, you know, how does, how does my head know to turn that way? How do my eyes know to look that direction and back again? And my fingers know to move like this. It's just amazing. And my mouth is working and, and things are coming out usually that can be understood. And, how, and I don't even have to think about that very much. How does all that happen? It's because it's an amazing thing in, um, that, that's in your, in your head. It's called a brain. It's called a mind. It's very active, especially when you're young. And then it kind of goes dormant in teenage years. And then it kind of rejuvenates later, you know, and starts out being active again. But the brain is an amazing thing, isn't it? And it's an amazing thing when it comes to spiritual warfare. What we think, how we think, how we believe things that are not true. And... Uh, Sometimes we fail to remember, we fail to recognize that this is a part of this spiritual battle. Now in this passage in 2 Corinthians 10, Paul is pleading with these people. As I said earlier, he says, I beseech you, both in verse 1 and verse 2. He wants them to listen carefully. I beseech you. I'm, I'm, I'm pleading with you. Please take seriously what we're talking about, what I'm writing about. And some of the Corinthians, think about this, the Corinthians, these are church members in the city of Corinth. Uh, some of these Corinthians looked at Paul and they didn't have the respect or reverence or appreciation of Paul that they should have. And they thought that some of the things he was doing, he was doing out of his own flesh, not the Spirit of God working in him, not the Spirit of God leading him. And he, he addresses that in verse um, two, he says, which uh, I think to be bold against some which think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. That's what they're thinking, you know. And he said in verse two, he told us what he's thinking, wherewith I think to be bold against some. And really, this was a, this was a kind of a personal uh, struggle, a personal uh, issue that was going on between Paul and the church members that I'm glad we're able to see. But in the context of that, he says in verse 3, we walk in the flesh, but we do not war after the flesh. We, he, when he, I believe when they accused him of doing things in the flesh, it was the flesh as opposed to the spirit. You're just doing this. You, this is just what you want, Paul. Matter of fact, there's another passage I'm even going to turn to in the first chapter of 2 Corinthians where Paul said basically the same thing. You're just doing, you think I'm doing this out of my own flesh, but isn't it a shame to me? I think how horrible for Paul have to 
even deal with that before these people. A man who walked with God, he wasn't perfect, but he certainly wasn't a carnal person. But anyway, he says, in this context, he says, we walk in the flesh, verse 3, but we do not war after the flesh. We are in a spiritual battle. It's not a fleshly battle. It's a spiritual battle. The war against us is a spiritual war. We've been talking about that for weeks on Sunday evening. Our battle, the Bible says in Ephesians, is against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. We have, we have an adversary. Young person, you have an adversary. You can't see it. You can't hear it. You can't feel it. And many times we act like it's non-existent. But I'm telling you, we have an adversary that's working against us who wants to ruin our testimony, who wants to destroy our lives. And unfortunately, a lot of times we don't recognize him. That's part of what this series is about. We're not ignorant of his devices. And so the weapons of our warfare in verse 4 are not carnal. They're not fleshly. We cannot win. We cannot win in this spiritual battle in the energy of the flesh. We just cannot. And so it's a spiritual war. It has to be fought with spiritual means. And he says in verse 4, we have weapons. Now these weapons are not, you know, they're not guns or knives. They're, but, but we do have weapons. And they're mighty. But they're not carnal. The weapons of our warfare, look in verse 4. The weapons of our, our warfare are not carnal. They're not fleshly. But they are mighty. They may, be not, they may not be carnal, but they're powerful. They're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. These, God, is, God is almighty. God is omnipotent. God has all power. And the enemy that wants to destroy us, the enemy that wants to destroy you is no match for God almighty. That's good to know, isn't it? But he is a match for us in the energy of the flesh. And so he says in verse uh, 4 then, our weapons are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. We're just kind of walking through this passage and overviewing it as a way of introduction. Now what is a stronghold? A stronghold is like a military fortification, like an entrenchment. And imagine it as like a, maybe a castle or a walled city. These are strongholds. They're spiritual strongholds. And why are, why are they called strongholds? Because those areas have been captured or being held by the enemy. And that's a part of this whole, that's what he wants to do when we, we talked about um, we're not ignorant of his devices, that we don't want to give him the upper hand, we don't want to give him the advantage over us because he wants to take he wants to take some part of our life and he wants to defeat us and ultimately destroy us and he wants to hold people captive and many people are held captive and you might say well how are these strongholds formed if he if satan could have a stronghold in someone's life that needs to be pulled down how are those strongholds established how are those strongholds um, gained or formed and they're basically they're gained and formed through information through things that we hold to be true which aren't true by the way when you hold on to something that's a lie but in your mind it's true it becomes truth to you 
And the reason, the reason, not all cases, but in many cases, the reason people are bound in sin. And it could be some moral sin. It could be pride. It could be uh, something else, any kind of sin, some kind of addiction. The reason people are bound in sin all begins in our mind. And it's a spiritual battle that must be dealt with. Strongholds can be fears. And for some people who don't really have those areas uh, that they struggle with, they don't realize it, but they can be fears. Things people are afraid of are, are things like bitterness or depression or pride or some lust-related sin. And... People say, well, I, I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. People say, well, I, I know I can quit anytime I want to. Well, then why don't you just quit? And the truth of the matter is sometimes it's, it's because we have a stronghold in our area. And we can't, it's not a, just a, bad, a matter of mind over matter. It's a spiritual stronghold. It's a spiritual, in, a spiritual fortification. And it takes God to do that. So how do we pull down strongholds? Look what it says in verse 4. They're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Verse 5 then says, casting down imaginations. We have to cast down imaginations. Let's go ahead and read the rest of that verse. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity. Notice these next two words. Every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now, whether you think so or not, I go back to my original thoughts there, and that is um, it's in our mind where these areas of defeat come because we think things that aren't true. You know, I can remember as a teenager thinking, you know, how, how clueless my mother was. I, lived, I was raised by my mother. My mom and dad were not together when I was a teenager. And I remember thinking how, how clueless she was. She took us to church. We went to church all the time. I thought I knew things, you know what I'm saying? And what I thought led me to make decisions. It led me to develop attitudes. Attitudes that are, are carnal and worldly. Attitudes that are, that are uh, rebellious. And there are probably people here tonight, you're, if you could really see yourself... You don't realize it, but you've been developing these attitudes through this wrong thinking in your life. And it doesn't just happen to young people. It happens to all people. And it's amazing how many times we can believe something is true when in reality it's not true. We have to pull down those strongholds. They have to be cast down and, and bring those areas into captivity. Now, what are we to cast down? Notice the word he used. I have this word highlighted in my Bible, verse 5 imaginations what is an imagination it's things that we imagine things that we reason but things that are against God's truth you think there's ever been a person even a sincere genuine Christian who was convinced that God didn't care about them you know what that's real to them just like we were singing that song earlier does Jesus care? They're convinced God doesn't care. They're, they're convinced that God has forsaken them, that God, is, that God would never accept them. 
You know why they believe? Is there any truth to that? Is there any truth to that reasoning? Absolutely no. But you know what? When a person believes it enough, it becomes true to them. It becomes like a stronghold in their life. You know, the carnal mind, the carnal mind, the carnal mind is the mind that is, um, has the mind of a person who has not been uh, submitted to God, has not been renewed, not been regenerated, the person's his life has not been changed. The carnal mind is not a friend of God. Let me give you, just, I'm not going to turn to it, but Romans chapter 8 says, think about these words, the carnal mind is an enmity with God. Enmity means it's against God. Nobody had to teach me to be a rebel. My mama never sat down and said, look, you're going to need this in life. I want to teach you to be stubborn and rebellious. That conversation never took place. Mama, you were born with a mind that wants to be prideful and self-sufficient and independent of God and independent of authority. Um, and God knows our thoughts. You know, I was reading today in Psalm 94, it says, The Lord knoweth the thoughts of man that they are vanity. That's not very, that's not very much a positive ego-boosting mentality. God knows your thoughts and your thoughts are vanity. Vanity means empty, worthless, meaningless. That's how we think on our own. Um, and so in our, in our texture, it says casting down these wrong thoughts, imaginations. And we're going to talk about the importance of doing that in a moment. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. What is a high thing in your life or my life? What is a high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God? It's a lofty opinion, a high thing that opposes God and truth. We have to cast that down. If, if, if you're going through life and, and your parents you know, give you some instruction or put some parameters on you or some, some boundaries on you, and in your mind you're thinking, I shouldn't have to listen to this. I, that is a high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. We all have to deal with these things. And you know what? We don't, we go, people go through life and they don't really understand the spiritual significance of that. They, they think, well, that's just, the, that's just the way I think. Everybody thinks like that. It's okay. God understands. I'm telling you, the Bible says that that's the way the devil works, putting these ideas in our head. And every one of those thoughts, the more of those thoughts that can be removed and replaced with God's truth, the better off we're going to be. And that's why it says there in verse 5, bringing into captivity Every thought. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I'm going to assume some things tonight. And one of the things I'm going to assume is that we all have some things in common. And one of the things we have in common sometimes is our mind can just run away with us. And we're believing things and worrying about things or expecting things or fearful about things. And all those thoughts, all those thoughts we have are not, are not from the devil. Some of those thoughts are just natural thoughts. 
Some of those thoughts are actually good and wholesome thoughts and even God-directed thoughts. Jesus said this about the Spirit of God. When you get saved, the Spirit of God comes to live within you. And one of the things He will do is He will bring to your remembrance things He's shown you. Sometimes God reminds us about things. Aren't you glad about that? I'm glad for a reminder on my phone. I'm glad I can say, hey, Siri, would you remind me about this? And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. But we've got the Spirit of God inside of us to, to remind us about things, to show it. That's if you're saved. Now, if you, you may be sitting here thinking, well, I don't know anything about that. Well, uh, if you get saved, the Holy Spirit will come to live within you. Paul says we have the mind of Christ. We can actually think, we can actually be thinking. Imagine this, that this mind of mine that was so yielded to sin and self can actually have the mind of Christ. Isn't that an amazing thing? So every thought's not a bad thought. Paul wrote, I think, into the church in, in Colossians there that the word of Christ dwells in you richly. God's word dwells in you. God, God's word, God's, God's truth. But Satan also brings these harmful, damaging thoughts into our minds. And, and if, if those things are not dealt with, they'll produce fruit that's unhealthy. I mean, where do you think people get the idea of just taking their life or ending their life? Do you think God, does God put that thought in their head? No, absolutely not. I've watched a lot of families in my lifetime whose hearts have been broken by wayward children, by young people who just decided they didn't want God and they didn't want the truth. Does God, does God lead a young person to make those kinds of willful decisions? No, God's not in that. God doesn't lead in that way. Where do those thoughts come from? So this is what this, this is about. Really, this is understanding the battle. We have to understand that. One of the primary ways that Satan attacks and gets an advantage over us or gets a place, neither give place to the devil or establishes a stronghold is through our thought life, the way we think. So let's think about that together. No pun intended there. The believer's thought life. You know, I've heard this phrase before. I hope it's not altogether true. You know, you are what you eat. <laughs> I hope that's not true. But to a degree, I understand what they're saying. But just as accurately, we are sometimes what we think. What we think. Our thinking affects our view of God. Our thinking affects our worship. Our thinking affects our thanksgiving, our appreciation, not just to God, but to others. Our thinking affects our faithfulness. It affects our obedience. A person gets in their head that it doesn't really matter whether they serve God or not. Well, that's a lie. It does matter. But to, to, to them, after a while, it doesn't. It, after a while, it's just as true as if it was reality. It doesn't really matter. If it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter if the church can depend on me or not. It doesn't matter, you know, if I'm for serving God with the gifts He's given me. It just doesn't. I'm telling you, all the thinking is reasonable, but it's not biblical. It's not right. So how do you know it's not right? Because right here we know what to think. It's in the Word of God. See, if you, give me a chapter and verse sometime. 
Study your Bible. Bring to me a chapter and verse that says, it's okay if I just let months and years of my life go by and I don't serve God. Show me that chapter and verse. I don't think you can find it in this Bible. You know why? Because it's a lie. You say, well, I sincerely believe it. Well, you sincerely believe a lie. This is the way, this is, this is a part of spiritual warfare. We have to recognize truth or recognize lies. Our, our thinking affects our potential. Our thinking affects our selfishness or our sacrifice. I said this this morning, no man ever let, hated his own flesh. That's, a, that's from Ephesians. Nobody, nobody ever did. People kind of pamper themselves. And as long as a person thinks that their, their wishes, their will, their opinions, their pleasure, their fun is the most important thing in life, they're going to go live that way. But you know what? What they're believing is a lie. Right? This is, this is and, and sometimes we just think, well, that's just, you know, so much theological rhetoric. No, it's not. It's spiritual Inside, according based on the Bible, based on what the Bible says. In 1 Peter chapter 1, Peter says this. Think about the first part of this, especially the first part of this verse. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. The word hope means to keep hope alive. But how do you do it? By girding up the loins of your mind. What does that mean? Take control of your thoughts. You say, you think of, you're talking about mind control? Yeah, I'm talking about mind control. Us taking control of our thoughts. Not letting them just run rampant. Our thoughts can run unchecked. I mean, we don't, you know, I'm thinking about something and the sooner I recognize whether that's truth or error, the better off I am. The longer you believe something that's not true, the more you're apt to believe that it is true. So we're to direct our thoughts. Remember where Paul wrote to the Philippians in chapter 4, and he says, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are just, what, think on these things, think about this stuff. Don't think about the garbage that's in your mind. Think about this stuff. He t Let's go look at that for a moment. Go to... Go, if you would, please, to the right, to the book of Ephesians. And Ephesians, I'm not Ephesians, Philippians. Philippians chapter 4. And let's begin reading Philippians chapter 4 and verse 7. Verse 6. Be careful for nothing. <clears throat> but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving... Let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, now just think about this. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, Whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. We have to, we have to direct our thoughts. 
The Bible says set your affection on things above. We have to, we have to set our thoughts, set our affection on certain, we have, to, we have to direct our thoughts. Isaiah 26 says, Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Now, I don't, I don't, maybe it's different with you, but I can just say from me, from my standpoint, I've been saved for a while. You know, I've been reading this book every day of my life for decades, you know. So I've, so I'm, I'm kind of familiar with what we're talking about. And you could say, so I'm, I'm saying all that to say this, it's, just, it's still a battle to keep my mind in the right place. Not to think on things, not to be worried about this or think on things in negative ways. It, we have to take charge of our minds. We have to take charge of our thoughts. Your mind is going to think. Now you may not, parents, you may not think that about your child. But their mind is going to think. Our responsibility is to make sure we're thinking the right things. To, to setting our affection on the right kind of things. Feed your mind the right food. There's a lot of stuff we listen to, a lot of stuff we think about that we probably would be better off not to. Now don't look at anybody, don't point at anybody, just use your mind. You ever, you ever been around somebody that just seems like they're always positive about everything? Or have you ever been around anybody that just seems like they always can put a negative spin on anything? Some of you are grinning so big, I know you're thinking about somebody. Just go ahead and point to them. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know what? It's hard to change the way we think. But I don't think it's healthy to think negatively all the time, do you? I don't think it's healthy. We would all agree on this, I think, and I had a conversation with someone today about it, and I agree with the person, and I've had the same conversation with others of you, and that is, in, in the day, in the media culture that we live in, you can get an overload where all you're thinking about, all this government stuff that's going on, the battles going on, and I like to be informed, I like to know what's going on, but I'm telling you, that stuff will wear you down sometimes. We have to train our mind. Think about this verse from Psalms. I thought on my ways and turned my feet unto thy testimonies. Now, uh, the word testimonies is synonymous with truth, with God's word. So here's what the psalmist said. I thought on my ways. Now, what is his ways? His ways are his paths, his direction, where he's going. He looked at where he was going. He thought about his paths. I thought on my ways. And then he says, and I turned to your testimonies. I, I recognized I was going the wrong way. By the way, it's good to see that, isn't it? And he made, a, he made an adjustment. He made an about face. He said, I turned my feet unto thy testimonies. I've, I've said this many times before in my life. Not recently, I don't think. But um, I had a real awakening when I was uh, about probably 20 years old. I wasn't saved yet. Wasn't going to church. Hadn't been to church for years. And, uh, but I was in some pretty serious trouble. And I was in jeopardy of losing everything. Losing, I didn't have anything monetarily, but I had a wife and a daughter. 
and I was in jeopardy of losing everything. And I, and I had this thought one day. It's just like it came out of nowhere. It really, like, it, like where did that come from? And this was the thought. If you keep going the direction you're going, where do you think you're going to end up? And you know what? That started me on a different path. I thought on my ways. Our mind, our thoughts, what we think about has a great impact upon our life. You can't live a holy life and dwell on filthy thoughts in your mind. You, you, you cannot live a life of service to God and think selfishly. And a lot of people think selfishly. We're not to think that way. Jesus said, let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. Who being in the form of God, he had deity. Being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God but made himself of no reputation and took upon himself the form of a servant. See, that's, what, that's how we're to think. Not selfishly. So if we're going to change the way we live, we've got to change the way we think. Now, I'm not just, this is not just a, you know, power of positive thinking lesson. It's about spiritual battles. You'll never change, and people don't want to change sometimes the way they are. They don't want to change the way they're living. They don't want to change the way their attitude. And especially if we've been that way for a long time, it's hard to change. It's not impossible to change on our own. We have to change the way we think. The psalmist, I keep referring to the psalmist. The psalmist said, I hate vain thoughts, but thy law do I love. I hate vain thoughts, empty thoughts, meaningless thoughts, worthless thoughts. I hate vain thoughts, but thy law do I love. That's a great verse, isn't it? Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 13, when I was a child, I thought as a child. It's practical, isn't it? Children usually think like children. When I was a child, I thought as a child. When I see a child, I expect a child to think like a child. But he said, when I became a man, I put away childish thinking. I put away childish things. But that includes thinking. I'm going to grow up. I'm not going to think like a kid anymore. I'm not going to be like an immature brat. I'm going to grow up. All that has to do with changing the way we think. Now, you know what the devil wants us to do? He wants us to believe lies. He wants us to believe lies about ourselves, lies about God, Lies about those in authority, maybe your parents. He wants us to believe lies. Let's go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Look in verse 8, if you would, please. This is a verse of scripture. I hope that's not my phone, is it? It is my phone. <laughs> It's my alarm. It's my alarm. It says, stop the sermon soon. <laughs> I saw Virginia go for her phone, and I thought it was her. <laughs> and after she checked her phone and it wasn't her, I said, whoops, it must be Gideon's. 
2 Thessalonians chapter 2. This is a passage having to do with the coming world leader, the mystery of iniquity, the Antichrist. Just saying that makes me think about some of the things that's going on in our world today. But it says in verse 8, And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth. The Lord will consume him. And shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him. Now, the primary thing I want to think about here is about truth and lies. Even him who's coming, talking about the Antichrist, whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and, notice this, lying wonders, miracles that are purposefully deceitful, lying wonders. Verse 10, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. People who rejected the truth, they're lost. And they're going to, they're going to believe a lie. Look in verse 11. And for this cause, because they've rejected the truth, and for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they might be damned, judged, condemned, who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. See, when a person does not believe the truth, they're just, what's left to believe? It's a lie. And that's a very dangerous place to be. It's a very, and there it's talking about people who reject the gospel. That's, why, that's, why, that's one of the passages to me that is convincing that, that after believers are taken out of this earth and the rapture of believers, that people who are left, who've rejected the truth, will never be able to be saved. Because that's what that verse is teaching. You say, well, they'll get saved in the, they'll get saved in the great tribulation. No, they, people who've heard the truth, like you're sitting here today and God's trying to speak to you about your need to be saved, you reject that. If Jesus were to take us out of here this very moment, which very well, he could take us out this very moment, and you'd be sitting here in this auditorium wondering, what now? And I'll tell you what's now. Great judgment is what's now. Because And you say, well, couldn't I be saved? Not if you rejected the truth at that point. That's why it's imperative that we hear the truth, that we believe the truth. Because if we don't believe the truth, we'll believe lies. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. And those works include lies, and false imaginations, vain thinking. All that is the work of the devil. I didn't know that when I was lost. I didn't know that the devil had just been doing a number on me, convincing me that I could be the ruler of my own destiny, convincing me that, that um, I could, life could be enjoyable and pleasurable. It's like the prodigal. The prodigal who just looked for the opportunity to go out into the world because I'm going to enjoy the world without the restrictions and restraints my father puts on me. I want to do my own thing. And you know what? It looked pleasurable to him. 
But you know what? That's all fabrication. That's all lies. Those lies are de- those lies are of the devil, and they are designed to destroy us. If you don't believe the truth, the only thing left to believe is a lie. And Satan can influence and infiltrate our thoughts. I know some people may think this is is just so much spiritual nonsense, but I'm just telling you what the Bible teaches. Your thoughts will affect your attitude. Your attitude will affect your actions. Let me give you a few examples of this. Uh, Let's take our Bible tonight and go to Acts chapter 5. I'm I'm not going to really dig down into these passages. I don't have time for that. I just want to use some illustrations. Acts chapter 5. Here's an incident where a man by the name of Ananias, and he had a, his wife's name was Sapphira, and a lot of things were going on in the church there in Jerusalem. People were selling property. Uh, Barnabas was one of them in Acts chapter 4, and so Ananias and Sapphira, they get together. They sell some property, but they decided this. We're not going to give it all. We're not going to give everything. We're just going to give a portion, but we're going to let people believe we're giving everything. It was a pure act of hypocrisy and deception. I mean, that, that doesn't seem all that uncommon, right? Have somebody in church that's a hypocrite or maybe deceiving people, acting like things aren't really the way they truly are. But notice the language that Peter used in verse 3. It says, Peter said, Ananias, why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and keep back part of the price of the land? Now you tell me, where did that thought of hypocrisy and deception come from? Did it come from Peter's? Did it come from Ananias' mind? Not according to the Bible. Satan filled his heart to do that. I'm talking about spiritual warfare. This is how, that's why he says that we're to recognize these imaginations and cast down these imaginations because they're very harmful, very damaging. Satan's a deceiver and he wants us to believe things are so when they're not so. That was, of course, and I'm not even going to turn to it, but that was, that was his, that's, that's the way he always works, by the way. And the very first example as far as the way he works with humans is in the Garden of Eden. When he began to deal with Eve and Eve begins to give him the serpent her attention. God had given them clear instructions. I mean so simple that a kindergartner could understand it. All that all that all those trees, all that fruit, just enjoy it, every bit of it. It's not like the trees in my yard. These trees actually produce fruit. Enjoy it all. But just know there's this one tree over there. Stay away from it. Any kindergartner could understand that. And then here comes this serpent saying, Is that really what God said? Are you really going to die? God's just keeping something from you that would make you a better person. You know what? That's what he always does. He hasn't changed any, has he? 
and, and they, she fell for it and he fell for it. This is the way it works. Jesus said to his disciples, I'm giving you a heads up, gentlemen. Very soon I'm going to go into Jerusalem and it's not going to be pretty. I'm going to be betrayed. I'll be lied about. I'll be condemned. I'll be beaten. I'll be tortured. I'll be crucified. Three days later, I'll raise from the dead. Jesus had been telling his disciples this stuff. Peter spoke up and said, Lord, we're not going to let that happen. We can't let that happen. You know what he thought? He thought he was being. He thought he was saying the truth. We'll 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 intervene. Whatever it takes, we'll intervene. Jesus looked at Peter. And he didn't say, "Good job, Peter. I'm glad you're here for me." Oh, this is what he said. Think about these words. Get thee behind me, Satan. Where did Peter get that notion? Where did Peter get that idea? That we can, we can do this without death. We can do this without pain. We're not going to let the... You know where he got it? He didn't just get it from his head. Somebody put that thought in his mind. Satan did. This is the way it works. The Bible says that even John the Baptist, the one who identified Jesus, who baptized Jesus, was thrown in jail. By Herod, his disciples, he had communication, John did with his disciples, and he told, he got so, he got so dis, discouraged, I'm sure. That he said to his disciples, I want you to go see Jesus. And I want you to find out, is that really him or should we look for another? You mean John the Baptist could have a time of confusion and doubt and discouragement? Sure he could. Don't be surprised if it doesn't happen to you or me or anybody else. Sometimes we think something is true when in reality it's not. You know what reveals truth? I mentioned this earlier in that song because I've had this idea in my mind tonight. How do you know God cares about you? How do you know he matters? I'll tell you how. Because he actually knows how many hairs are on your head right now today. You say, how do you know that? Because Jesus said so. God's word is true. If you don't feel like he cares, if it doesn't look like he cares, if it looks like he's forsaken you, you get to thinking that and you get discouraged, you get despondent, you get doubtful, you get to question things. But you know what? God's word tells us what's true. And anything, any idea, any thought, any notion, any imagination that doesn't agree with the word of God cannot be trusted. Right? We're to be rooted and grounded in truth. And how are we going to do this? Let's let's find a landing place. How are we going to do this? Now this is so simple. But let's take it seriously. We have to distinguish, we have to recognize the difference between truth and error. You know, that's why why the Bible, we talked about this in one of our first lessons on this subject, where it talks about we need to be... uh, Sober-minded. We need to be vigilant about our thought life, about what we're thinking, what we're believing, 
Jesus said, you'll know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Well, good grief, I, for a time in my life, I thought, I thought the truth was designed to make you bond, put you in bondage. All these restrictions. But you know what? The truth makes you free. Our thoughts need to always be being questioned and challenged. You know, I'm not going to turn to it, but Isaiah said this in Isaiah chapter 55. It's a great passage. He says, for my thought, your thoughts are not my thoughts. And you know what? It's true. God wants us to think like him. Young person, God wants you to think like him. Do you think Jesus is rebellious? No, he's not. And, and we're not to be rebellious. We can't, be, we can't be passive about this. A soldier, we're in a battle. We're to be soldiers. A, a soldier cannot be passive about the warfare. They can't be complacent about it. They can't be careless about it. And you know where this all starts? It all starts with the new birth. The new birth, the new birth does not fix our minds. Or, I mean, I, obviously, I wish it did. I wish when a person got saved, they just automatically just thought right about everything. But that doesn't happen. But it does fix your spiritual problem. It fix your spirit. But also when you get saved, the Spirit of God, the teacher, comes to live within you to guide you into truth. Please listen to me, young person. If, when you, if you start to do things that are wrong and say things that are wrong, and there's not something inside you that says, don't do that, you ought to ask yourself if you're truly saved. Because that's what the Spirit of God does inside of us. I'm not saying we always make the right decision, but He lets us know what's right and wrong. You, so it all starts when you get saved. Now that's a good thing, and it's a kind of a, there's a negative side to it. And that is this, I never knew about these battles till I got saved. I just did what I thought was right. I did what I wanted to do. I did what I enjoyed doing. I didn't think about it. If I want to say something to somebody that was hurtful, harsh, I don't really think too much about it. You know why? Because I live for me. Isn't that sad? It's pathetic. I just live for me. And one day, by the grace of God, I got born again. And then everything changed. Everything changed. The way I looked at my wife and felt about my wife, the way I spoke to friends, the way I lived, not just in public, but in secret, all that changed. Aren't you glad for salvation? Amen. Starts, this all starts when you get saved. But at the same time, when you get saved, the devil really starts working on you to try to discourage and defeat you, try to get you out of the way. He, he'll do everything he can, young person, to keep you from getting saved. Once you get saved, he'll do everything he can to keep you from being effective and be fruitful and to do the Lord's will. We're to be continually renewing our minds. I'll just end with that. Romans chapter 12. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice.
holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the, what? Renewing of your minds. We've got construction guys here. And if I'm going to speak in a very broad, general matter, you have two kinds of construction. One is new construction and one is renovations. New construction's easier. You don't have to fix everybody else's mistakes. You don't have to dig into a wall and find out there's stuff there you never thought possible could be in there. But the renewing of your mind means to renovate. It means to take something that's messed up and renovate it. That's what happens when a person gets saved. Their mind's messed up. But it can be renovated. We can be renewed, constantly being renewing our thoughts. Thinking right, thinking proper. A person could spend several messages on this one subject. I'm not going to do that. This will be the message we devote to it. But listen to me. As we go through our days as believers... We have to recognize the difference in truth and errors, truth and lies. God, God always speaks the truth. The devil always, everything he says is a lie. Maybe a half truth. It may be a lot of truth with a little bit of false information in it, but the devil cannot speak the truth. He's a liar and the father of it. So we have to recognize, if I start thinking something, is that, is that in line with this book? Does it agree with this? If you're here tonight and you're not saved, number one, you need to be saved. But if you are saved, we need to get serious about this very simple command. We have to think about it. This is the kind of lesson we ought to think about some. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought, every thought. Wouldn't that be a great thing? Every thought unto the obedience of Christ. You don't do that carelessly. We have to do it intentionally, purposefully, consistently. And if we're believing something that's not true, recognize it. This, I've, been thinking, I've been believing something and thinking something that's not right. What are you going to do with it? Cast it down and replace it with the truth. It's not complicated, but it takes effort, right? And you know what? The more we do that, the more we have victory in this spiritual battle that we're all in. Amen? God's good. Amen? He is. Let's bow our heads together for prayer. <clears throat> with our heads bowed this evening... I don't know about you, but I've enjoyed, and we're, there's going to be one more lesson on this subject, but a different matter that we're dealing with than, than tonight. But I've enjoyed a refresher on this subject about spiritual warfare, about the importance of our thought life, what we're thinking. I want to challenge you tonight. No matter where you are in your Christian journey, if you're just starting out or if you've been saved for many years, 
Let's make sure that what we're thinking and believing is in line with the Word of God. Our Father, we thank you tonight for your Word. How blessed we are to have it. How blessed we are to have the Bible and how blessed we are, Father, to have the Spirit of God within us to teach us, to instruct us, to guide us. God, help us to recognize the lies and not believe them. Help us to pull down the strongholds, the areas where the devil tries to set up these um, fortified places for the express purpose of defeating us, hindering us, preventing us from becoming all you have for us. While our heads are bowed,